What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. I think it's on now. We're in First John chapter one uh, in our bits and pieces series. We're just kind of hit and missing here and there, depending on how the occasion strikes us. Your name Ken? Yeah. I thought so. You thought I'd forget? You did. <laughs> and I thought I had. It just came to me, and I thought, oh, I better remember. Um, <clears throat> So when Alex gets uh, gets lined up here, we'll go we'll go to First uh, First uh, Peter chapter one, and it'll be easier if you just go off of the PowerPoint or off of the program. That that way we're all on the same page together. Uh, we we've discussed verses one to three, but I want to just talk about verse three a little bit today before we go into um, the rest of our message. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to start verse 3. <clears throat> now, we'll say things that, that may seem to you somewhat controversial, but you know, if we're saying things that you already know, why be here? You can get that anywhere. You can go out down, over to the Elks Club and get that. You won't get anything new or true there. All right. So what we have seen, now who's the we? The apostles, what we have heard, seen with our eyes, we have looked at, we have touched with our hands. You haven't. No, you haven't. You may think you have, but then you've got an illusion going on. You've got a problem. He's talking there about the apostles, what we have seen and heard. Now, we proclaim to you. Now, when you have a first-person plural pronoun, which in that verse is what word? We. And then you have a second-person plural pronoun. What's the word there? You. That means you have two separate groups. You can't combine them. Now, he is going to combine them here, but he's going to give a condition for the combining of those two pronouns. But you always look at, when you see the we, it very seldom includes you unless there has been a reason for it. And remember that the you is always corporate. It's not, it's a plural you, corporate you. So he's talking about the you as the church or the the people that he's addressing as a group. See that? 
I'm just giving you some basic rules of Alexandrian Greek grammar. He's the designer of the language, and it's his grammar that we want to look at because that's how the New Testament was written in the Koine, which was the product of Alexander the Great. I think he was inspired when he developed the Koine Greek language, and that's what the New Testament is written in. And there's a reason for that, because <clears throat> once, uh, once the apostolic age ended, the Greek language died. So it hasn't changed. It means the same today as it did then. And the rules have not changed. So we have the, that confidence was very likely providential. <clears throat> so back to here. Uh, what we have seen and heard, now we proclaim to you. So the we is a different group than the you. The we is referring to the whom? The apostles. They had first-hand testimony, first-hand witness, and now they were declaring it uh, unto you all. And, uh, and then why? So that you too, see, there, there's that you too. So you along with us. Now, the first thing that I'm addressing here in this introduction, because Greg put together a PowerPoint for me that I'm hoping to get to, and he's hoping I get to it, because otherwise he's going to say, why did you keep me up all night doing something that you didn't even get to? And then I'll be in bad trouble. But how do we, first of all, how do you connect with God? Oh, I just have a direct, a unilateral connection with God. Let me put it in Tanya's words. Hogwash. Isn't that the term she uses to the kids? Hogwash. If you want to have a connection with God, you have to have that connection with God on his terms. Now, notice what it says. So that you too may have fellowship with whom? So our first condition is that you and I not God, we need to have fellowship with whom? With the apostles. I had a guy this weekend, he's a preacher friend of mine, a dear preacher friend of mine. We don't agree on some of this stuff. He can be wrong. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he's beginning a series in the Gospel of John. I said, why are you going to John? That was under the law. Jesus came to whom? To the Jews. We don't get God's message through Jesus until we get to the book of Acts. And the reason we have all the confusion out there is because people mix up what's going on in the Gospels, which is our record of who Jesus was, but it doesn't tell us anything about God's will for us in the Christian age. That came through whom? Through the apostles. That's the emphasis here in, the, in this uh, epistle of John. So that you too, you the church, you who are who I'm, I, I, the ones that I'm addressing this letter to, that you can have fellowship 
first of all, with us. There is no way to get to God without coming through them. Who do you think you are that you can bypass God's program? That's arrogance. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, now, if you are in fellowship with them, then you are in fellowship with whom? What does it say? We have, our fellowship is with whom? What does it say? With the Father. And with His Son. So how, if you are in fellowship with the apostles, and their fellowship is with the Father and the Son, and you're in fellowship with the apostles, then who else then in God's program are you in fellowship with? The Father and you folks are shy. Isn't it there in black and white? Isn't that the inspired word? Isn't that really the answer? So folks, this is just the Greeks. So if you're wondering why I'm packing this around, sometimes I kind of forget and I make mistakes. I made a mistake last, last week or two weeks ago. Um, can you go? No, let's wait. Anyway, it's, I, um, Neil, a couple of weeks ago I talked about the fullness of joy and that your joy may be full. And I got to thinking about it. I went back and checked the Greek and I was wrong. It's not your joy may be full. It's that the apostles' joy may be full in their delivering of the message to you all. I made a mistake on that. <clears throat> Don't you like it when the preacher makes a mistake? I do. That way I can get it right. Okay? So these things, we're just going to wait for God to give it to you. No, that isn't what he says. We write. We're putting it down in writing. These things are written, 1 John chapter 5. These things are written that you may know. You have to believe what is written. If it's not written, you have no basis or any way of confirming the message. It has to be written. That's the inspired process that God has got. So anyway, these things we write so that our joy, and it's right here. I had misread it last, last couple of weeks ago. Our joy, our joy right here may be full. And um, right there. See, it's translated in the King James as your, but it should be our. First person plural. So, that our joy may, we have written this so that our joy may be full. Our joy in relating to you the fullness of God's message to you through us. And when we get it written down, our joy becomes full and complete. Folks, we have to first of all realize that the New Testament church is established on the apostleship. The apostles are our beginning point. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, but the apostles were his authority, his designated executors of his will. And we are subject to them, and the foundation is built of the apostles and the prophets. 
<clears throat> we build the church on that. And so in Acts 2.42, it says in Acts chapter 2, the new covenant has begun in chapter 2. And it says that we continue in the whose doctrine? It's on the board every Sunday. On the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship, the breaking of bread. What's the other one? There's four. What? And and the prosuke. Prosuke is not, you know, we use that word, but we don't know what it means, right? You all should now because we've had lots of teaching on that. It doesn't mean at all what you and I think it means. The word prosuke means with a vow. It means that you're telling God what he can expect out of you, and you're going to live in such a way that you fulfill what you have told God you were going to do. Isn't that the opposite of how we use the word prayer? Prayer never means the other. Now, you notice in his word up here, all of those other words that we use, that the Bible uses, we, use, we group them all together and we call them all prayer. But we ought not do that. We need to use Bible terms to express Bible ideas and, uh, and limit ourselves to that. And that's a lifetime, you know. We talk, about, we talk about the fall of man. Where? Where does the Bible talk about the fall of man? You want a $1,000 reward? Find it. Huh? Oh, no, headings don't count. They're put in there by man. <laughs> no, the man did not fall. He sinned and was separated from God, but he didn't change. God began immediately to, to uh, discuss with, with man what his requirements were and that he could do whatever he chose to do and that he had the will to do what he ought to be doing and that he could hear God and understand God and obey God. Right after the so-called fall, but when books start talking about the fall of man, you know that they're of the Calvinist persuasion and, of, under, and the result of Augustine. Don't go there. Stay away from that. What about the word rapture? Anybody ever found that word in the Bible? No. Anybody ever found the word deity in the Bible? Doesn't exist. Why do we talk so much about stuff that's not even found there? Now, you all know better. We still get caught up. I still use some of those terms unconsciously. But we, we, we need to have a pure speech representing the truth of the Bible, not doctrines that are out there made by man. And that's what those terms all are are the results of people of human thinking and human rationale, and we put a title to it, and they've carried over, and we follow through with those titles, and it means something different than it should. Okay? Well, first of all, folks, back to our text in First John. So, first of all here, don't forget, we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you so we have, we have the evidence. We have proclaimed the message to you. Why? 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 This is our connection with God. It's through them, 
so that because of what we, you may have fellowship with us. So we ought to be proclaiming the joy and the pleasure and the necessity of, first of all, having a fellowship, being in common with the apostles, because as we are in common with them, fellowship means having things in common. As we are in common with them, quite a neo, as we are in common with them, now through them, through whom? Through the apostles. Now we have fellowship with God and with his son. (coughs) By the way, those are the only two persons that we know about in heaven. You can chew on that, and when you get through chewing, why, you can spit it out. (laughs) But, you know, we've got to get back to what's real. So these things we write so that our joy, we write our joy may be made complete. It's only going to be made complete if they write it and if you and I can carry it out and understand this basic principle. This is the rudiment of Christianity. Right here in that phrase. And we keep saying, we know God? That's the wrong question. Do you know the apostles? Who are they? You know, we're screwed up. That's too bad. I gotta get to your I gotta get to your PowerPoint here. We gotta keep moving on. So this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you. Who have heard? Who's the we? Still the apostles. Hasn't changed. We have heard, and we announce to whom? To the the corporate body, the you. That's a corporate pronoun. And And remember that that you is very seldom ever singular. It's nearly always, not always, but nearly always a corporate pronoun, meaning you as a group. Now, where was I up here? That God is light, and in him, there is not a lot of darkness. Oh, no darkness. In him, there is no ignorance at all. Darkness is a type of ignorance, meaning unlearned, untaught, unknowing. In him there is no darkness. Now, if, now we go to the, can we go there now? Oh, we're there. Whoops. All right, First John. Verse six. Well, I might I might finish up with verse five first. <clears throat> so let me review to where we got to this point. Fellowship begins with who? The apostles. If your fellowship with God did not begin there, you need to start over again. And if they had not written what it is they had experienced, 
and known directly from Jesus, who else would know? So we're dependent upon them. That's why we have to start with them. And we even come to know Jesus. John says, those who come to me through you men, the apostles, they have thus and thus and thus. Okay? How else would we know if they hadn't written it? We wouldn't. How else would anybody know? They wouldn't. So in verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him. We declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. That means omniscient, all-knowing. Darkness means that there are shades where he doesn't know. Now, there are some things that God has, has restricted himself and restricted the exercise of his sovereignty. I want you to think about that. God has restricted the exercise of his sovereignty. The same as we are made in his image and are finitely sovereign, God is infinitely sovereign. God is, has limited the expression or the exercise of his sovereignty. He has restricted it by his choice, and we are to follow in his steps, and in our finite sovereignty, we are by choice are supposed to restrict the exercise of our sovereignty. That is, there are many things that we, in our finite man, we, there are things that we can do that we ought not do. There are things that we ought do that we don't do. Those are all the exercises of sovereignty. God has says, here's what I won't do. And so an expression of that and a proof of that is found when God, when God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Now, when Abraham raised his knife to slaughter and draw the blood from his main son, only son. And the angel restrained him. God made an interesting statement there of how he restricts the exercise of his sovereignty. I know what it is. You do? I do. What is it, Nolan? I love it. Now I know. Now I know, God says. He didn't know before. He does not know what you're going to do. He does not know when I'm going to die. He says, I know the people would like for you to die today, but the chances are that you probably aren't. I do not know when you're going to die. I don't know when somebody's going to be born, but I know there is natural law in the process of birthing, and there is natural law in the process of death, of dying. Natural law. God's not going to violate his process of natural law to cater to your arrogance. God's not going to do that. And that's all that is. God has, God made me, God knew when I was going to be born. See, they, they, they take that from Psalms, and Psalms is a book of poetry. But we're not David. 
You may think you are, but you're not. He was in a special, unique relationship that you and I do not have. Our relationship with God is through, first of all, through whom? The apostles. And then when we are in fellowship with them and only when we are in fellowship with them and their teaching, are we then in fellowship with the Father and the Son. And until we get to the apostles, we're never in fellowship with God. You got that, Nolan? Got it. You know, you're a lot smarter than Kathy said you were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, notice here. If this is the message, this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is omniscient. He knows all that there is that he has put himself to know. There is nothing that can be hidden from him. There is no ignorance in God at all. Now, notice how he develops this from the next point. Let's go to our chart. If, verse 6, verse 6, if, big ifs, there are five of them here. Number one, if we say, by, did you ever notice how cheap it is, words, how cheap they are? You can say anything you want. You can tell anybody. You can buy. You can tell anybody anything you want to say. You can just talk, talk a steady stream, and so that's why he uses the word "say" here. If we say that we have fellowship with God, with Him, and then our lifestyle is out of step with what we're saying, is that a complimentary thing? Then he says, we lie. That's not complimentary. If we say one thing and our lifestyle is another way, we lie. He's mincing his words, isn't he? He's trying to be subtle about it, isn't he? Would you call that subtle? I don't think so. If you say one thing, that you have fellowship with God, and now we all, he has already established that that fellowship begins with whom? With the apostles. We don't need to go back over that again. We've already discussed that. So he's established that with all of us now. We have fellowship with him, and we know how we get that fellowship with him. It's not unilaterally. It's when we come through the teaching of the apostles, and then our lifestyle is we walk as if we knew nothing. We live as if we had no thought in our brain at all. A lot of times folks in the world think more about how they live than the folks in the church do. And with church ought to be ashamed of that. We need to walk in knowledge, but if we say one thing and then live our life in another way, if we, how can you claim to have fellowship with God and then live your life as an ignoramus? 
What's that word mean? How do you spell that? Ignoramus. What's that mean? Ignorant. And, and, you know, kind of milking that for all he gets. That's what the word darkness means, to be ignorant of. So how can you say that you walk, that you are in fellowship with him via the apostles, and then you live a life as if you don't know anything? How can you claim that? He said, if you make that claim, you're a what? Liar. I didn't say that, folks. Don't throw those tomatoes at me. I didn't say that. John said that. And we do not the truth. Those are not complementary terms. Maybe you didn't know that. They're not meant to be objectives for life. But he said if you talk one way and live another way, that's not in keeping with what you're talking about and to talk about being in fellowship with him via the apostles. We already know that. And then you live as though you didn't know that. Well, you're just a liar. You do not do the truth. You're not living in truth. And one of the objectives of the church is that we're truthists. We're truthists. You don't have to agree with me. But we're aiming and grasping and embracing what's true. Hard to what? It's hard to divide it. Good point. Let's go one more, then we'll be done. See, that's what I was afraid of. We wouldn't get done. Is that okay? You're not going to cry? All right. Number two. Big if number two. If we walk. That's your lifestyle. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. There are two great consequences. The key there is the big if. All of God's promises have strings attached to them. Every promise in the Bible has a big if. Don't forget it. Here we have if, if. What does that suggest? You may not, but if we walk in the light, in the light, in the knowledge, having come through the apostles, they've given us the light of the word. I am the light of the world. The apostles reflect that light, this knowledge, this information that is true, not a hodgepodge of stuff. If we walk in the light, I remember one time on the Yellowstone River, I went to school in Billings, Montana. How many of you have been to Billings? We'll pray for you. You've been to Billings? Yes. Oh, good for you. I knew there was something hopeful about you. <laughs> yeah, there's potential here. He's been there. Billings, Montana. You probably wouldn't, well, I wouldn't recognize it now, I guess. But on the Yellowstone River, we used to go out there at night, and it would freeze pretty well over. You know, in the wintertime, 30, 40 below zero. And uh, we'd go out there and we'd try to find spots where we could break a hole in the ice and catch um, catfish. 
Anybody like catfish? We got a oh oh good. You know you can get it here. How the Gila River? Oh yeah. Sometimes nice ones. Right here you got it. It's hard getting to it, but there are spots here that were above the Virgin Dam, where the river still flows, and uh, you can go out there and go catfishing. Beautiful, beautiful places. What? And the White Mountain, okay. I'm not familiar with that, but all right. Well, we, that's what we would do, and, but we'd have to carry a lantern. Now, the lantern, the lantern wouldn't shed the light all the way to your destination. You know, just, just a little gasoline lantern. How far would it shed its light? Kind of a circle maybe five or ten feet. And so as long as you were in the light, you know, you wouldn't fall off into the river. The river, the light didn't take you all the way, but you had to be in the light, and as long as you remained in the light and watched where you were going, why, everything would be fine. And the the idea there of in means that you're in the light. That means that you have, you have insight to where you're going in life. You have insight to the information of the word. You're in the light. You're positioned in the light. You may not know it all, but what you don't know if you're in the light is covered by what we know of as grace. Grace covers the difference if you're in grace Grace covers the difference between when you're in the light, covers the difference between the edge of the light and what is beyond the light that you cannot see. Grace covers the difference. All right. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, now that's complete. But that's our intent. Then, that's the basis of having fellowship with one another. I thought it was having a good potluck. Now, I like potlucks. But see, that has nothing to do with fellowship. Fellowship is is having things in common. And if we walk in the light in the same way that, that as is, means in the same way as he has is in the light. It means you have the same you have placed the same value on truth, the same value on knowledge as God has placed on it. That's why he has revealed it to us, because it means so much to him. And he wants you to know what he has given to you to know. And when you walk in that which he has given to you, you are walking in the light as he is in the light, in the same way that he is in the light. And you are in fellowship with one another. That's the basis of church fellowship. And secondly, then the blood of Christ cleanses us from all of the sins that I think are detestable. And of course, what I think about sin is going to be a lot different than what you think about sin. And what you think about sin doesn't have anything to do with the reality about sin. 
I think I've lost you. What I'm thinking of, when people think of that word sin, they think of everything but what it really is. The word simply means, the Greek word simply means to miss the mark. It means to lose the idea of focus toward an objective. That's sin. When you lose the idea of purpose, not knowing what your purpose in life is, that's sin. Everything else that we do is the result of having lost our purpose. We say, oh, they stole, and we just go to pieces on, oh, they were a thief, they were a thief. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is they lost their value. They lost their purpose. That's what we need to address. They committed adultery. What's that got to do with anything? Now, we know that's wrong. That's not the right thing to do. But that's not the issue. There's a loss of purpose. When we do any of those things that we think are so big and enormous, which are nothing at all, unless it's because they violate the purpose of life, the value of life. And we're always getting and encouraging people to repent of the wrong thing. I'm quitting. Somebody said it's about time. Okay, where have we been? Our fellowship begins with God through whom? Through the Father. They bring us the light of the gospel. If we walk in that light, as he walks in the light that he has revealed, we might add, then we are in fellowship with him and with his son, Jesus Christ. If we say that we walk in the light, if we say that, and yet we live our lives as if we had no purpose and no ideals, no real value to life, then we become a liar and do not the truth. Those are not complementary terms. But, on the other hand, if we want to be in fellowship with him, then when we are, the blood of Christ is what cleanses us from all sin. We need to concentrate more on that next week. The blood of or two weeks from today, okay? Let's stand as we sing. That's all for today. I was waiting for a tomato. Usually we get tomatoes by this time, but none at all. And uh, we actually are a little bit over time. I'm sorry about that, but not much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.